Thank you, Heather, for your gift of music this glorious morning. In case you tuned in a little bit late, let me um, extend one more welcome to you all. And uh, happy Easter. We are glad that you have joined us for worship today. Wherever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever mood you're in today, we pray that this service might uh, lift your spirits and might bring good news to you. So let us pray together. Risen Christ, you opened the scriptures to your disciples and made their hearts burn within them. So open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts that we might recognize you once again in these words of scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's gospel reading, as Becky alluded to, is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Hear the gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, 
to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We humans are conflicted about the dark. We don't quite know what to make of it. On the one hand, we fear it. It's a fear that we learn at a very early age. The dark is a place of monsters and wild things hiding in the closet. So before bedtime, children make sure that all the closet doors are completely closed so that those monsters don't get out. In fairy tales, the dark is the unknown region deep in the forest where grave danger lurks behind the next tree, that witch with the poison apple, perhaps. And in real life, the dark can invite crime and danger and tragedy. On the other hand, the dark is also a routine occurrence on planet Earth. It appears with regularity and consistency night after night. The dark can be a place of rest. Do you ever hard, find it hard to sleep when it, the light is shining in from the outside? When we traveled to Alaska, when there were 20 hours of daylight, you can be sure we pulled those room darkening shades. The dark also brings relief after a sweltering sunny day. It slows things down. What's really intriguing, however, is that the dark is a place of heightened awareness. Have you ever noticed how when it's dark, every noise seems magnified? That dog scratching against the door? The creaks and groans of your house settling, they're so much more noticeable. For the dark puts our entire consciousness on alert, and we hear things like we've never heard them before, at least, at least not in daylight. Well, in John's account of the resurrection story, it was very early in the morning at zero dark hundred when Mary Magdalene arrived at the tomb. And presumably she went to carry out the extended morning rituals of the time. We don't know what it was specifically that she went there to do. It wasn't to anoint John's body, at least in John's account, because there it was Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who had already done that. And I also wonder if maybe she couldn't sleep thinking about all that had happened to her Lord. Maybe she went to the grave because that's what we do when we want to feel close to someone we've lost. Or maybe she didn't even realize herself why she went there. Maybe in some unexplainable way, her senses were alert to something that was about to happen. After all, it was dark outside. All throughout the Gospel of John, physical darkness is never a mere descriptive detail. It always points to something else, something much more. It points to theological darkness, 
not understanding what's really taking place. For it wasn't just in physical darkness that Mary Magdalene arrived at the tomb. She also arrived in the darkness of her own misunderstanding. And when she saw the tomb that was emptier than this sanctuary today, she had no idea where the body of Jesus was. Who would take it? Who would even think to ransack the grave? Well, as we heard, Peter and the other disciple couldn't clear up the mystery for her, and even the angels inside the tomb left her without answers. It was insult added to injury. She couldn't properly mourn. She couldn't properly say goodbye. She couldn't continue whatever rituals would help her deal with her new reality. And that sounds uncomfortably familiar to experiences that people are having today. Darkness feels like an apt metaphor for our days. Now, we know that every year, death and despair lurk around Easter. We've always struggled to grasp what the resurrection means, especially for those who carry the extra burdens of broken hearts and pain and confusion. But this year feels unique, as Becky said, because this year we all share the same lens this unsettling lens of pandemic. We share it to different degrees, of course. Those who are ill or on the front lines experience it most acutely. But we all share it around the globe, and that's not always the case. It's a shared experience on a scale that many of us have never seen in our lifetimes. And if we thought that we had the luxury of normal, Well, now we know better. We're collectively confused. We're horrified. We see the disproportionate impact on marginalized communities, and it shows us just how much work for justice remains to be done. We're still grieving all of the things that we've lost and that we've yet to lose, and we still don't know what's to come or how long this state of affairs is going to last. I think it's safe to say that this is not the lens we would have chosen for Easter. We can make the connection to Lent pretty easily, but Easter? It's not the lens I would choose if I had any say in the matter, but it's the one we've got, all of us. Two paradoxical things are true at the same time. These are dark days, and it's Easter Sunday. So how do we reconcile the two? Well, when we don't know what else to do, the best thing to do is to go back to the story that we have inherited. Because the truth is, Easter and darkness have always gone together. We've just forgotten that. And for some of us, at least, it might just be that our present experience of this Easter paradox is, for the first time, a bit closer to the original. For it was dark at the tomb where Mary Magdalene sobbed in anguish. It was dark 
where the tears welling in her eyes made it hard to see through the shadows. It was dark when Jesus himself appeared before her and she couldn't recognize him. But here's the thing about the dark. Good things happen there too because of the heightened awareness that the dark makes possible. It keeps us on the alert, waiting for something. And maybe deep inside herself, I like to think this at least, that somehow Mary knew that because she stayed in the darkness. Kimberly Clayton wrote, in the dark, Mary stays. In sadness and confusion and fear, she stays. Angels speak to her, she stays. A stranger approaches, perhaps the gardener, and still she stays. Even though she believed Jesus to be dead, she still stayed to search for him. Well, they say seeing is believing whoever they is, but that's not necessarily so. For Mary Magdalene, hearing is believing. One of my seminary professors used to always say in the first century world, you don't believe what you see, you believe what you hear. Mary stayed in the darkness that sharpened her sense of hearing. And even though Jesus came face to face with her, she couldn't know it was him until she heard him call her by her name. Mary. And then she knew. In the dark, in that heightened state of alert, she could hear Jesus reveal his risen self to her. And only because of what she heard could she now truly see him. And she didn't have to see him first in order to find him because Jesus met her first. The resurrected Christ found her in her simple act of staying in the dark. And stunned by Easter breaking into the world before her very eyes, what else could she do then but proclaim him to her own community so that they too could hear this absurd claim that Christ is risen? What else could she do but with the words, I have seen the Lord become the first preacher of the gospel so that we all can hear Even though these days are filled with the deep shadows of uncertainty, the risen Christ is here to bring new life. And even though we now experience the isolation, the uncertainty, and the fear that for too many others on the margin is routine, the risen Christ is here. One prayer that came into my overflowing inbox this week put it this way. Now we experience what those on the margins, those with severe disabilities or illness, the migrant, the refugee, the homeless, the poor, the jobless, the voiceless, the powerless, victims of violence, those with mental illness, all experience as their normality. Easter interrupts all of that while it is still dark. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Easter is not a battle between darkness and light that ultimately must end in the victory of light because darkness is actually a nothing, because death indeed is already life. This is where the risen Christ meets the world and calls each one of us by name. It's the place that can alert our senses to hear the voice of Jesus magnified. And if we're at a place where all that we can do is just go through the motions of faith because our tears and confusion don't let us do any more, this gospel story, this resurrection story says that's enough. If we're at a place where we're struggling to understand the meaning of this preposterous proposition, the story of all of the disciples' failure to understand says that's enough too. You see, we don't get ourselves to Easter faith. Mary Magdalene didn't. Peter didn't. The rest of the disciples didn't. Easter's voice found them. Easter's voice finds us. Oh, it may begin with a whisper, but the message does grow louder, that God has already reached out to this dark, fear-filled, pandemic-ridden world. God has already shaken a fist at death's claim to permanence and shouted for all eternity to hear, no, not this time, not anymore. This is what we proclaim in the darkness, with voices loud and voices quivering, with hearts full of joy and hearts full of grief, with unshakable confidence and with trembling fear. We proclaim through our witness, our life, and our practices the story that still faces down death with new life. We proclaim in the hopes that in this very practice of proclamation, we too might come to believe what is so very hard to believe. So this Easter day, this Resurrection Day, let's say it again and again so we can hear it again and again and the world can hear it again and again. In our hearing, may we too see what we couldn't see before, that Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. <laughs>